All right, so let's read. We're going to continue in Philippians. Uh, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week in chapter 3. So let me start by reading uh, first in English, then in Spanish. Philippians 3, verse 8 through 11. This is a passage we're going to consider today and that we're going to walk through. So we've got it on the screen, or you can turn with your Bibles. But again, Philippians 3, verse 8 through 11. says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So I'm so thankful for Elvis for sharing last week. I know I got several folks approached me and were encouraged by it and, and so thankful for what he shared with us. I listened to it then. I listened to it when I put it online. I listened to it this week while I was running. It was really encouraging to me. But if you guys notice, when Elvis started, uh, he confessed. He confessed that he had stolen a verse from me. I said, Elvis, I want you to preach on chapter 3, verse, what was it, 1 through 7. And Elvis confessed he stole verse 8 from me. So, I'm stealing it back. And I'm going to take verse 1, too. So I'm just letting you guys know. Because we do unto others as they've done to us. I'm just joking, okay? I'm just joking. All right, but I am taking back. I took back verse 8, and I want to look at verse 1 as we move forward, because I think verse 1 is important for us to understand what we're talking about today. So let's start with verse 1, and then we'll jump to verse 8 for our passage today. In verse 1, he says, Finally, my brothers... Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. Paul is saying to the Philippians, I'm going to tell you what I've already told you, and it's good for you. I'm going to repeat what I already said. Okay, because it's so important and because you need to hear it again. And he says it's safe for you. And that word safe, he means like, this is good stuff. This is, this is firm. This is the truth. This is a foundation. What I'm telling you now, I'm going to repeat it again. And I'm going to teach it again. Because it's so important. It's so, at the foundation of our walks, you can build your life on this. That's what this means. It's safe for you. It's safe to build your entire life on this truth. And I'm going to repeat it again. I'm going to teach it again. Does anyone here ever need someone to tell them something twice? Right. I don't know about you guys, but everybody in my family, including myself, we need to be told stuff several times, some more than others. But once is usually not enough. And Paul is saying, this is so important. This is so foundational. You can build your entire life on this. I'm going to say it again. 
edificar su vida encima de esto, así que lo voy a repetir. So this is probably good information. This is probably something we should think about. This is probably something we should consider and it's worth repeating. So what is he teaching again? Right? Paul says, I'm writing again what I've already written to you. He's going to tell him the same thing. What is it that he's going to talk about again? Anybody know? Don't worry, I studied. Okay. Chapter 1. This is what I think, verse 27. This is a critical verse when we started a few months ago that Paul, he set up as he talked to the Philippians and he said this, and remember, this word, this, 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 this passage comes from Paul who's sitting in jail. He's been separated from the Philippians. He hasn't seen them in years. He's writing back to them. He's facing potential execution. He's going to lose his life. And this is what Paul communicates to them. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. To live as Christ and to die as gain. And remember as we walk through this, we're like, is, is Paul delusional? Like, does he not understand what's going on? Does he not understand that he's in jail? That he's probably going to die? And he says this. He's like, my whole life, like to live as Christ, to die as gain. It didn't make any sense what he was saying based on his circumstances, based on his life, his physical life, his natural life. But we said he wasn't delusional. Right? Because he had this spiritual perspective that he had received from God, this, this understanding, and that changed, that transformed the way he saw everything in his life. He's in prison, he's going to die, but this is what he's thinking, and this is how he sees his natural life, how his life is going. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We at Livingstones, we would say that means for our lives to be gospel driven. That Jesus Christ is the priority of priorities. He is up here, everything else is down here. And who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, that drives, that motivates everything that we do. It motivates all of our relationships, it motivates all of our actions, it motivates our thinking. That everything we do, everything we think, every, all of our perspectives are driven by the gospel. To live as Christ, to die as gain. That's what we're thinking. That's how we're acting. That's how we're responding. And that is not something that's natural. That requires a radical reorientation. It doesn't make sense in this natural world. It doesn't make sense as we experience life and see life to have this perspective, right? It's a spiritual perspective that God has given us to have in this natural world. It's not something that is organic. It's not just going to happen. You don't just go about life and have this perspective. It's something that has to change in us. and something that has to turn in us. And so look at the passage. And as it starts, and I'm stealing, I guess, another one back from Elvis. Verse 7. Verse 8. Look at that. What do you see repeated? Count, count, count. He repeats this word to count. It's literally that, he, that you would take assessment and not just assessment. I'm going to count up. I'm going to, I'm going to consider different things. But I'm taking this assessment so that I can what? Follow it with action. It's not just to know the information, but I'm, I'm figuring out where I'm at and where I'm going. Okay, first we have to figure out where am I at? What's going on? What's the assessment? And now with that information, with counting those things, now I'm going to respond. 
And so he is telling us to count, to count, to count, to consider all of these things. And I understand that as being oriented. I know where I'm at. I know where I'm going. As I go to see a patient in the hospital, one of the first things, particularly if they've had a stroke or a brain injury, is I want to know, they taught me to go in to find out Are they alert? And are they oriented? And I need to know, are they alert and oriented times four? And that means when I go in, I say, do, do they know who they are? Do they know where they're at? Do they know what time it is, what year it is? And then most important, do they understand the situation? What's happened to me? What's going on? Because if they know who they are, if they know where they're at, if they know what time it is, and they know the situation, that directly correlates with their ability to recover, their ability to move forward. Are they going to regain this cognitive function? Are they going to regain their ability to think and to act and interact appropriately? So, I remember, or I don't remember, okay, everything I'm about to tell you as, as it's been told to me. There was one time in my life that I was completely disoriented. I was wearing this helmet, alright, it's got scrapes on the side here. We were in Chicago. I decided I'm going to start riding my bike to work. Right? I'm going to integrate. I, mean, I don't want to spend extra time working out or exercising. I'm going to ride my bike to work. Six miles there, six miles back. I'm good to go. We're in Chicago. The winter had broken. It was a blazing 50 degrees. Time to be outside. <laughs> okay? And so... Instead of riding my bike on the main streets where it's dangerous, I'm going to ride my bike on the back streets. I'm going to go through the neighborhoods and cut, you know, and take the shortcuts to get home. So I leave the hospital and I go up this one hill and I start to come down the hill. I'm on the top of the hill and my cell phone rings in my pocket. And now this was 2006. Right? There weren't all these campaigns about don't text and drive, don't do all these other things, right? Like, and Emmanuel was calling me. And this is Emmanuel. Like, I probably thought, don't do this, but I answered my phone. So I'm riding my bike, I'm talking to him on the phone, and I'm going down this hill that takes a big curve to the left. And Emmanuel here says, and it cuts out. That's it. It's over. The next thing that I'm told is happening is I'm with my bike walking on this road and I go down to one end of the road and I'm turning and I go to the other end of the road and this, this lady in the neighborhood, she sees me walking in circles back and forth, back and forth. She's like, what, what is wrong with this guy? And she comes to talk to me and I, I'm so confused. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I am. I sure don't know how to get home. She calls the ambulance. The ambulance comes. I'm literally like a quarter of a mile from the hospital. Like it's embarrassing, right? But I have to go back to my hospital in the ambulance. And they see me come in. But as we're sitting there, Nidia comes. Emmanuel comes. Emmanuel says, I keep asking, what happened? Emmanuel tells me. I say, oh, What happened? And I continue to repeat myself and I continue to go in these circles. I'm no longer going back and forth on the street, but I'm going in circles in my mind. And I'm completely confused, completely disoriented. 
I thought it was 1996. Not 2006. I don't even remember it. I had no idea where I was going. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea what was happening in my life, what the situation was. As we consider this passage, I want you to ask yourself, am I disoriented? You might think, oh, I know who I am. I know where I'm at. Sunday morning, here we are at church. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going back to. And I know that you are oriented to this physical world. But are you oriented to the gospel? Are you oriented, are you alert and oriented times forward to the gospel? Do you understand who you are according to the truth of this word? Do you understand where you are, where you're going? Do you understand the time that it is and do you understand the situation? Because what Paul is saying here is you've got to understand, you've got to reorient yourself according to the gospel. As Elvis taught us last week, they gave us this this, this warning, look out, look out, look out. In verse 2, look out for this, look out for that, look out for this. Because don't take your eyes off of, don't disorient yourself, stay focused on the gospel. You need to keep your eyes on the gospel or else you will be disoriented. Don't turn from the gospel. But our preference, our preference is to orient according to myself. I see the whole world, I see all of my relationships according to me. I'm the center of my world, I'm the center of everything that's going on, and so everything is oriented how I see it, how I feel it, according to my experiences. As Elvis taught us last week, according to my accomplishments, according to all these things that I'm keeping track of, but if we orient ourselves according to ourselves, it's disastrous. Think about the garden. They were Adam and Eve. When they turned from God and they turned to themselves, what happened? The whole thing came crashing down. Everything was broken. All of their relationships were broken. Because they said, I'm turning from God and I'm turning to myself. I'm going to orient myself according to me. And we can be in that same situation. We can be disoriented. And I don't think that you guys believe me. And you're like, I know who I am. I know where I'm going. But I need a volunteer. Okay. Alvaro? And then Jake? Where's Jake? Will you move that target right by Andy? All right. Alvaro right here. What Alvaro is going to do for us is he's going to show you his skill with a Nerf gun. This is the um, demolisher. All right? Compliments of Travis Brown. Now, right there in the middle. You don't have to go behind him. So, so you hold that down first, let it rev up, and then pull the trigger, okay? Now, Alvaro is going to show you how good he is. All right? There's the target right behind us. Don't worry, none of you guys are in danger. And Alvaro is going to take uh, three shots for the target. You get three shots to hit the target. Oh, no. Did it jam? We had a jam. Oh, there's, there's two in there, Travis. We're completely disoriented, don't worry. 
muy desubicados. <laughs> All right. All right, Alvaro, I'm sorry. You're not able to. <laughs> Travis? Tra obviously, you guys have seen the skill of Travis, okay? He's going to continue to show that and hit the target for us. He's pretty confident in himself, right? All right. Now, now I want you guys to watch him, like, to think about how you think about this life and how you're walking in. I know what I'm doing. Let me have that. I'm good at it. I know how it works. Let me put it together. Alright, two shots, Travis. No, no, no. Behind this line. There you go. Will it, will it fire again, though? Will it fire again? Just one more shot. Okay, okay, okay. So you saw that, Travis, I'm not done, I'm not done. So, you saw that Travis, he hit, hit the target once. He missed the target once. Wait, 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 wait. Can you see, Travis? Can you see? Yes. You can? Now can you see? Underneath me. Okay, well, don't look underneath you. All right. Travis was completely oriented. He thought he knew what was going on. He knows all the processes. Now, Travis... Take the gun. Uh, I won't hurt you, I promise. He's going to spin around. Okay? He's going to spin around. He's going to spin around. Wait, wait. He's going to spin around. I'll do it again. So close your eyes. Close your eyes. This is falling apart. No, I'm serious. Like He's completely disoriented now, okay? No cheating, no cheating. All right, you ready? Now, I want you to find the gun. I mean, find the target. And shoot it. Go, go. Shoot it. Shoot it. <laughs> well, shoot it, Travis. Shoot the gun. Go over the target. <laughs> okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. I appreciate it. Yeah. Now I want you to ask yourself, which one do you think you are? Do you think you're like Travis before? Give me that gun. You know how it works? Operates it perfectly, completely. He's got all, he knows where he's at. He knows what's going on. He can fire right at the target. Or you saw the second time he starts to spin around. I'm holding him up. He's falling to the left. He's falling to the right. The gun is flailing all over the place. He has no idea where the target is. He's completely disoriented. Now imagine that us together, walking together, striving side by side as Paul has talked about. And we're going with like this with each other and walking around like this and firing off our bullets. Some people are going to get hurt, right? We're going to hurt ourselves if we're not oriented. We're, we're disoriented. We're, we're in danger of ourselves. We're endangering each other. And so Paul says, orient yourself. Orient yourself to the gospel. And don't think, because you can look at this physical world and look at your natural world. Everything's under control. I've got everything under control. Paul says, no, no, no. Not unless you're focused on, you're oriented to the gospel. That's what Elvis began to share with us last week. This is what Paul is telling us again. And I'm going to tell us again as Paul tells us again. 
This is important. We need to get this right with foundational. We have to build our lives. It's safe to build our lives on this truth. That we would be oriented, as you can see in the next slide, according to the gospel. And then we'd be oriented towards Jesus. Okay? That's the big idea. Are we oriented according to the gospel? And then that's what we're going to focus on this week. And then next week, are we oriented according or towards the gospel? Okay? Do we, do we understand the situation? Do we understand who we are? Do we understand what's happening? Are we oriented according to the gospel? So first, look at verse 8. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. To be oriented, to understand the situation, we need to actually take in information. Right Before Travis was disoriented, he was taking in information on his balance, he knew where he was at in space. He could see everything. He could hear. Th- everything was right, right? He was taking in all this information that helped him to be oriented. And our orientation in the gospel starts the same way. We have to take in information. And our information is all about Jesus. He says, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. When he says knowing Christ Jesus, right here in verse 8, it's talking about, I have this general knowledge, this understanding. I understand who Jesus is according to His Word. I've heard about Him. I have this understanding, this general knowledge of Jesus. And he says even that general knowledge, that's surpassing. The worth of that is surpassing compared to everything else. We begin to understand who Jesus is. We begin to understand His uniqueness. We begin to understand His value. We begin to understand His priority. And with that information, with that knowledge, it starts to change everything. He says, He counts everything as loss. It changes the way He views the world. It changes the way He's oriented. And everything becomes a loss. Everything becomes trash. Everything becomes worthless. Because... I have this knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done. I I know this information. I know who He is. And so the value of Jesus and that information about Him makes everything else seem worthless. And I want to make sure you guys don't think that that means that other things don't have any value or that other things are not important that other people have the relationships it means that there is only one that is worth everything and there is only one that is all important and that's Jesus Okay, everything else it may be valuable it may be important but compared to Jesus he's the only one that's all important he's the only one that's all valuable and nothing else compares to him nothing else compares to that knowledge of him but that's a spiritual perspective it's not a natural one we're not going to have that unless we're oriented towards the gospel because as we have that understanding as we have that knowledge we understand his worth that gives us perspective 
about our own situation. We become more oriented. Right? As we orient ourselves to Jesus, then we orient and see ourselves more accurately. The more accurate we have this understanding and knowledge of Jesus, the more accurately I understand who I am and what my situation is. And I can understand that better. And that surpassing value of Jesus, it contrasts directly with who I am and what I've done. When I see who He is and what He's done, and I see myself very differently. And we get this understanding. As we understand Jesus, we understand ourselves. And as we understand that, we see I am more dreadfully sinful than I ever imagined. When you look at Jesus and you look at His surpassing worth and you look at who He is and what He's done, you realize I am more dreadfully sinful than I could ever imagine. You get that perspective. That's the perspective that comes from that. But then it doesn't end there. Because as you see Jesus and you understand, you say, and I am more loved than I could have ever dreamed. That's a gospel perspective. I realize how sinful I am, but yet I realize how much God has loved me. And that changes everything. That changes every perspective that I have. Everything else looks differently. He is of surpassing worth. Everything else is refuse and garbage and trash. A picture's worth a thousand words. You guys look at the picture? Up here. Does anybody know when that was taken? First day here. In this space. Alright? I want you to describe those people. A thousand words. Come on. What do you see? Give me feedback. Give me information. Some are sitting in the same seat. <laughs> Anything else? They're smiling. They're happy. Okay. You see family? I think that's, that's Lucas and Nima is holding up Lucas. Anything else? Come on, describe what you see. What are, um, tell me about those people. Some of them are still here? You don't see me? Okay. All right. That's what you guys see. You're taking in information, right? You're orienting yourself according to this picture. Let me read to you what God saw of these people, of us. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Y éramos por naturaleza hijos de ira, lo mismo que los demás. 
That's what was true about us. That's the reality of the gospel. That's the reality of understanding I'm more dreadfully sinful than I could ever imagine. That's true of me. That's true of you. That was true of us. But verse 4 starts with a but. That was our condition, but God responded. But God intervened. Look at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together in Christ, by grace you have been saved. And so what I want to ask you this morning is, does the knowledge, this understanding that you have of Jesus, has it changed your perspective? Has it, has it reoriented your life? Are you focused on and looking to the gospel? Have you seen and do you believe that Jesus lived the life that we should have lived? And that Jesus died the death that we deserve. Is that your perspective? Is that how you see it? Do you see according to the gospel? Because Paul is saying this. He's saying, don't look here. Don't look there. Look back at this and understand this. Understand who you were, but understand what I've done for you. Understand who Jesus is, that He went to the cross, that He died for you, that you were dead in your trespasses, but God intervened. Don't lose that perspective. Look back to that. Keep your eyes on that. Walk according to that. If this has happened to us, shouldn't our orientation change just a little bit? Shouldn't, shouldn't our lives look just a little bit different at least? Because of this information, because of this knowledge, because of this understanding we have of Christ, shouldn't things be different for us? We should be reoriented. We should be in a different direction. And Paul says it should change everything. All things, everything. He sees differently. And the gospel goes everywhere. Into every area of our lives. If you can come up with a place where the gospel shouldn't impact, then this book isn't true. It goes everywhere. It should apply in every situation. Every part of our lives has impact. And that we should be oriented to the gospel according to the gospel. We see God differently. So we see the world differently. Last week we saw how it changes our perspective on things, on our accomplishments, on who we think we are. But I'll tell you that the greatest reorientation that happens is myself. I can see the world differently. I can see my things differently. But what about me? What about myself? Has that been transformed? Is that different? Am I reoriented? Not according to myself, but according to Jesus. Because that's the most amazing thing. If you think about it, that's the most amazing thing that could happen is I see myself differently. And let me show you what Jesus says. Is that everything, everything being counted as loss includes my own life. It includes me. If Jesus is surpassing worth of Jesus, then that everything includes me. 
Jesus said in Luke 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, listen to this, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus is not saying don't hate. He's not saying to hate other people. He's not saying to hate yourself. He's like, but if you're gospel oriented, you're going to see the value of who I am. And it's going to reorient you to everyone else. It's going to reorient you to yourself. And the way that you love me and the, the value that you see in me, it's going to look like you hate others. It's going to look like, I mean, you're not thinking about yourself because you're so focused on me. That we would count our own lives as loss. Because if we, if we lose our lives, where do we find it? We find it in Christ. You can't find your life in Christ until you lose it. You can't be oriented to Christ unless you're not oriented to yourself. Look at verse 9. It says, And be found in Him. I've counted all these things lost. I've counted everything as lost compared to this knowledge of Jesus Christ, including myself. And I've let myself go. I've given up on myself. And now what? i found myself in Him. My identity is in Christ. I, 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 I've lost who I am because I am who I am in Him. I don't have a right standing or a right relationship with God because of what I've done, because of who I am. But look. Look at verse 9. My righteousness is not of my own, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's faith in Christ. It comes from God and it depends on faith. Do you guys see you in there? Do you see I in there? There's no talk of that. This is what God is doing, what God has done. And when we finally give up on ourselves, when we finally lose ourselves as well, it might sound painful, but then there's freedom. I'm found in Him. He's my identity. I realized I was more sinful than I could imagine. I'm more loved than I could believe. But yet now, I'm found in Him. And so I don't know what you guys thought about last week as Elvis taught. What things you were holding on to, what accomplishments. But I recently turned 40 years old. But I started thinking about my health. I started thinking about, well, am I going to make it? Right? Am I going to continue on? Am I going to have the strength? And, and so I started thinking about exercising more. And I need to be more fit. I need to be out there and going. And so while I had turned 40 for just a few days, you guys remember I shared this a couple weeks ago, Trent sent me a friend request to be on this app with him to measure our running. Right? I, I received this request from a 30-something-year-old okay, to this 40-year-old and said, Let's, let's, let's see where we stand. And I have to confess to you that I don't know how many times I've glanced at that app to see where I stand. I need to see, is he ahead? Am I behind? And what's going on? And, and there were many, many, many times that the only reason that I ran 
was because I knew if I didn't run, I would fall behind. I wouldn't win. I wanted to measure that. I wanted to keep up with that. And so, this is October 31st. All right, the end of the month. Do you see what happened? I'm on top. All right. The first will be last. And this, so this is exactly what I want to say. So, Trin and I, the whole month, we're going back and forth, back and forth. You know, these little comments, these little digs. And, and I'm coming home on Friday. I'm like, I got this in the bag. Right? I'm talking to him, and he's like, Brit, Brit, Brit. This is just going to illustrate the point that the first will be last, and the last will be first. And he's like, but this is not, we're not just measuring October. This is, this is a race. This is to endure. This is to keep going. And I started thinking about that. What if he catches up? I mean, I got the lead. Right now, I have the lead. Right now, I got him. And he turned 40 last week. He's going to go like this. Okay? But what happens if he says over and over, oh, I'm just waiting until you get sick. You're going to fall off three, four days because you get sick repeatedly and I'm, I'm going to catch up and surpass you. That's what's going to happen. And I'm like, well, what, what if he catches up? Or what if, I, what if I pull something and I can't run and then he's going to surpass me? And, how, and this is like, this is stressful. And now we just started a new month and today's November 1st and it all starts over and he's zero and I'm zero. And this is, we got to keep doing this and I got to keep measuring myself according to him and according to what's going on. And when I was feeling real good in the end of October, I said, Matt Moore, do you guys know it sent me a friend request for this, right? I accepted that this morning. He ran, it's November 1st. He ran six miles this morning. Like, Trent and I are already behind by six miles. Like, this is exhausting to try and keep up and to try and live according to my accomplishments, to keep up my righteousness, to keep up what I'm doing. Because I think it depends on me. Do we think that our faith depends on us? Is our faith in ourselves or is our faith in Christ? Because if our faith is in Christ, then we can be found in Him and you can rest and you can let go. And it's not going to be something that you look at every morning. You think about every night and you're, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Am I going to keep up? Or am I going to fall behind? That's not a gospel orientation. The gospel orientation would lead us to rest in Christ and know that I'm in Him. I have this knowledge of Him and I can rest in that. And by faith, I can continue. By faith, we believe that. By faith, we move forward. You see that repeated. By faith, by faith, and faith. And I think faith is what Paul is describing here in this entire process. This is what it looks like. Faith is a reorientation. Look at Mark. Chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. At the heart of being reoriented to the gospel is faith. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He says, repent and believe. 
As I listened to Elvis's message again and again, he's, Elvis said again, repent, repent from thinking about what you think and being self-oriented, right? And turn to and believe the gospel. Turn from your orientation and turn to an orientation towards the gospel, according to the gospel. We have to repent from what we see and what we believe, and we have to trust God. And so I want to show you guys that that is what occurs, Larry, in our Christian life. On one side, God. On the other side, sin and self. If we are oriented to sin and self, this is what we're looking at, this is what we're considering, this is what drives us, this is how we're moving according to that, we're thinking about this, this is what dr- everything is about myself. I want you guys to watch as Larry turns from his sin and self. He's going to turn towards God. Go ahead, Larry. All right. Now, can Larry turn from his sin and self without turning towards God? Did, did he turn from sin and self or did he turn towards God? You t- which happened? Both. You can't do one without the other. You can't. You, it's, it's a simultaneous thing that happens. If I turn from my orientation towards myself according to me, and I turn to God, like, if I turn from that, I'm turning to God. But we think, thank you, Larry. But we think that, oh, I'm going to turn from my sin and oh, I'm doing this. I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to do more. Like, that is not an orientation according to the gospel. Like, we turn from our sin and we turn to God. That's it. That's faith. That's what it looks like. I repent from going this direction and I turn towards God and I believe. It happens at the same time. And that's what Paul is saying is this process. He's like, turn from, don't look to these other things. Beware, beware, beware. Turn to the gospel. Keep your focus on the gospel. Look to God by faith. Continue to repent from what you think, from what you believe, and continue to look at God. Think and be oriented according to God, according to the gospel, according to Jesus. Do you guys get that? That's our lives. We get that? It says we have life in Christ. We're to think according to that. And as we'll look at next week, we're to walk, we're to continue towards that perspective in the direction of Christ in the direction of the gospel by faith we get that orientation by faith we continue in that orientation over and over and over again we repent and we believe we repent and we believe we continue in that process turning from not my perspective not my orientation but I want to be oriented according to Jesus according to who he is according to what he's done And you'll see in verse 10, this is the explanation for next week as we go forward. He says, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Being a Christian is not a passive thing. We don't move 
in the direction of Jesus, in the direction of the gospel, by adding things to Jesus. We don't move in the direction of the gospel by knowing more about Jesus or having a, a better knowledge, a more accurate knowledge of Jesus. It's not this thing that we're trying to attain or we're trying to get. It says that we actually will have this intimacy with Him. It's in a direction of knowing Him more. And you guys say, well, I, you just told me we, we get this orientation by knowing Him. First knowing? The word behind that means knowledge. I have this understanding, right? I've taken in this information. I'm oriented. I know where I'm at. I have this general understanding and knowledge of Christ. And then he says in verse 10, he's like, so that I may know, I may know Him. That's intimacy. It's a different word. I have this understanding. I have this knowledge. It's changed. My perspective has changed where I'm, how I'm oriented. And now I'm going to go towards Him. And I get to have this intimacy. I have this knowledge about Him. Now I get to know Him intimately. That word literally means to stand before each other face to face, completely vulnerable, completely naked. I know everything about you. You know everything about me. I can see you. I know you. I know you completely. And that's what it says we get to do. By faith, continue with this knowledge of Christ then we get to know Him we get to experience Him and His power look back at the verse we get to have this fellowship with Him and then in that process of becoming intimate with Him of knowing Him it says we even become like Him but it all begins if we are reoriented according to Jesus. Who he is and what he's done. So what we're going to do is uh, Isabel's going to come up. We're going to sing a song called The Wonderful Cross. And Karina heard we were singing this and she said, Papi, that's, that's an old song. I said, yep. Do you think it's something we need to hear again? Do you think it's something we need to think about again? Do we need to, it says in there, when I survey, when I look at the cross, when I am oriented towards the cross, and I see that's where the Prince of Glory died. He says, my richest gain, remember we talked about last week, my richest gain, I count but loss. Because I'm looking at the cross, I'm surveying the cross, I'm focused on Jesus. And so what I want us to do is to take some time right now as we sing this song to focus on Jesus, to orient ourselves according to who He is and according to what He's done. Amen.